Ahead of you is a dense, vast forest, shrouded in mist. The air starts to thicken, the temperature rises and the humidity makes you feel clammy and sticky. With every footstep, the foliage multiplies until it begins to dwarf you. The horizon becomes obscured by plants and the sunlight that reaches the forest floor is dappled. You look up and see that you are shadowed by a giant canopy of trees that tower overhead. Soon you stand alone, swatting and swiping at insects and listening to the howls and hoots of animals hidden in the undergrowth. You have arrived in the Amazon, the largest tropical rainforest and one of the richest concentrations of life on Earth. Searching for moons For an evil ogre in an ancient room Was a fortunate son of the OSR Without a ten-foot pole I wouldn't get very far The ground was murky and I caught a look As the dungeon master opened up his grim tooth book And then I fell into a spike pit Oh yeah, spike pit Oh, a bit would have spikes in it I'm Colin Green and you are listening to Spike Pit home to more than 5 million species of plant, insect and animal, and over 1,500 of the world's bird species. The vast size of this habitat is hard to imagine. Carving through the rainforest's heart flows its spectacular life source, the Amazon River. More than 6,400 kilometres long, it contains more than 2,000 species of freshwater fish in its waterways and tributaries. Animals in this environment can cover vast territories or rely on just one tree for their survival. But each, like its habitat, is extraordinary. Often, the animals are also extreme. The largest snake in the world, the green anaconda. One of the fiercest fish in the world, the piranha. And the lethal poison dart frog all live here. And they may be just the tip of the iceberg, as there are many Millions thought to be left undiscovered. Oh look, there's a long lost role player over there. Years of sunburn have scarred the shoulders. The eyes can no longer see further than a metre or so. And there's some strange muttering that they're always doing, probably to themselves. 
Yes, they've blended in well to their environment, especially all of the uh, the leafed clothing. They are truly walking parts of a jungle. Life is abundant because of its warm, humid climate. Amphibians and reptiles are abundant in the rainforest. The kind that you could encounter will depend on the time of day that you choose to explore the forests, pools and plant life. Hey Colin, Jason here. You'd asked for some more jungle stories. So I went down to Panama a couple times with the Army to their Jungle Operations Training Center in Panama. And um, this was after the invasion, like a year after the invasion that was done and they reopened the school and all that. So that was all pretty fresh in the mind. So it was kind of surreal because you'd like walk, walk in some of the areas and you'd see spray paint on the walls, you know, where the unit was there. And I was one of the few guys in the, in the unit that hadn't been down there during the invasion because the 7th ID went to Panama. But um, anyhow, the stories I can tell you probably are wildlife related. So when you checked into the school, you know, we watched, I don't know, I, I remember it was a two-hour video. It might not have been two hours. But it was, you know, about the jungle and about the area and all the things that kill you. The 200 different kinds of caterpillars that could kill you, you know, from poison or whatever. Um, hold on, coming up to a minute. Hey, Colin, it's John here from the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast. I've just been listening to your episode where you posed the question, oh, I don't know what it is about the jungles of chalk that's got me so fired up. And... I don't know, man. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the setting as well, as you know. And I think part of it's maybe due to the fact that it's both familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, it's familiar because you can still play your your standard elves, humans, dwarves, what whatnot from D&D 5th edition, if you wish. It works using the 5th edition system, so it's all stuff that is very familiar to people. However... There's also an edge of the exotic, the strange, or the unfamiliar. So, you know, you've got these weird other races that people can play if they wish. But there's also the setting itself is quite different from the normal fantasy RPG setting, making it a bit unique, but it still has elements in to make it familiar enough to play in. So I think that's the main strength of the Chult campaign. It's got enough familiarity that you can get straight into it and you can occupy the same position as your player characters if they're people travelling to the Chult Peninsula because you find out about it as your character does or you can play natives and really just throw yourself into this strangeness and this exotic setting. Enjoying the episodes, dude. Keep up the good work. Stay safe. I'll catch you soon. They had a school, they had a little zoo there, and they had monkeys in there. You know, there are howler monkeys down there, which are these little monkeys that have like a tube in their throat, I guess, is what they told us. I've never looked any of this up bio biologically. This is just off what we were told. But anyway, the howler monkey would make a really, it would sound like it's a really big monster, you know, a really big creature, but it's really this little monkey because it has this tube that kind of vibrates. And they had other monkeys, and I don't know if they were spider monkeys, but they had another monkey in there in the cage that they would, the, instructor would light a cigarette and smoke it and then he'd hand it to the monkey and the monkey would smoke the cigarette um, and then they also showed us a bunch of um, booby traps that the Panamanians had made and said you know you can't leave anything laying out because there are still you know loyalists out there that might try to get you and 
we, we never had any issues at all with Panamanians. They all were very nice to us. I, I really liked Panama. That would have been a good duty station, you know, outside the, the Noriega years. Um, coming up to another minute. Millions of migratory butterflies create a whirling cloud of colour. Scarlet peacocks, blue morphos and golden king swallowtails create a rainbow overhead. I've really enjoyed your discussions on the jungle and the adventures that are taking place in Chult. I think it, it's really fun and I think that um, kind of terrain just screams high adventure to me. You know, finding all these lost ruins, having you know, dinosaurs no less and other crazy monsters coming out of the woodwork and this really foreign, well, to most of us, exotic environment and stuff. Um, so yeah, keep it up as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know if, I know uh, Tomb of Annihilation is kind of based off of a couple of the old classic jungle exploration modules, but maybe if you haven't, if you don't already have them or you know, take a look at like I-1 Dwellers of the Forbidden City, of course X-1, Isle of Dread, and you could even use uh, B4, The Lost City, transplant that to a jungle kind of situation, and I think that would work out too, so yeah, cool. As far, so we also had encounters with bats, and we, you know, we all said they were vampire bats, and that's what everybody, the term everybody used, I, again, I haven't looked this up, I don't know if they're really vampire bats, or they're just a different kind of bats, but what happened is, if you had to sleep in hammocks, because if you laid on the ground and you didn't cover up fully, what happened was these bats would drop down on the ground. They kind of like low crawl over. And I guess they had, in their saliva, they had where it would numb your body, right? Or numb the area it touched. So they would, you know, numb that area and, or, you know, bite and numb and then lick the blood. And so the, you know, the soldier would wake up and you'd have, you know, it was like his hand being a puddle of blood. But the problem is they carried rabies. And that was back when the rabies shots were a series, you know, the series that did the circle of shots in your stomach. And so both, we, we went down to JOTC twice, and both times we went down there, we had kids get bit by, by bats. I, I, I want to say vampire bats. A flash of ruby and gold full of a piercing shriek announces the arrival of the scarlet macaw. Curious, social and noisy, the macaw belongs to one of the most intelligent animal families on the planet the parrots. These chatterboxes love company. They often mate for life and group together in large flocks of up to a hundred birds. But macaws aren't all talk. They are able to use these tools and solve problems too. But the training was interesting. There was a like a lagoon there, like a little pond there at Fort Sherman, you know, where the training was. And we were in barracks and they had beer machines in the barracks, which was really cool. And the first time, well, you know, even if I want to say that drinking age in Panama is 18 and there was some discussion whether they're going to let 18 year olds, because in the U.S. it's 21, whether they're going to let the underage soldiers drink or not, I, we ended up drinking. But yeah, beer machines in the barracks was, was kind of cool. The, but that lagoon, we do water training, you know, the training where you like get in the water and you take off your, your BDU pants, you'd, your utility pants, and you'd blow them up with air and use them as a float and, you know, do the same thing like with your rucksack, you'd have like your waterproof bag, you'd which is a, a bag you'd put your stuff in in your, in your in your rucksack, your backpack. You blow that up with air to make a float. You know, we did stuff like that, which is pretty neat. Um, there's all kinds of fauna in the jungle that's pretty nasty, too. Um, black palm. Look up black palm. Really nasty stuff. Beware the black caiman stealthily sliding through the water. 
This creature is so powerful that fully grown, protected by its scaly armour and strong jaws, it becomes an apex predator, unhunted by any other species. But yeah, and and you know, when you're actually in the jungle with, you know, going through, land nav is a lot different, you know, because we did a lot of land nav stuff. We were light infantry, um, too light to fight and too heavy to run kind of thing. You, you know, you because we you know we didn't have any vehicles inherent to our company so it was all on foot we were designed for jungles and urban urban areas we we went down to the la riots too the rodney king riots um i, I was there for that that was well that's story for a different time isn't it but yeah the jungle's interesting it's it's a mess it's uh, easy to get turned around in there you can't brush against anything um sleeping's a mess because of you know all the all the critters um you have to stay hydrated. We had people falling out left and right as heat casualties. Um, but it was definitely fun. It, it, it was definitely an interesting experience. Hey, Colin. It's Hobbs. Always good to listen to you, my brother. And uh, on the subject of 5e and Tomb of Annihilation, I have it. I ran it. We never actually got to the tomb. We only did a few sessions with a starter uh Return of the Lizard King, I believe is what it was called, uh, by Sean Merwin. We ran a few sessions of it and then just kind of faded away. I think it, for me, I think that I already had Kalmata in another jungle setting using a system that I'm not as uh, fluent with in a method that I'm not as experienced in. Just kind of faded away. Uh, but I've always felt like exhaustion in 5th level or in 5th edition is a really cool thing that you could use in a lot of different ways. Anyway, be cool, brother. Talk to you soon. Slowly winding through the branches is the long, strong anaconda. This snake never stops growing and becomes the largest in the world, killing its prey by wrapping it and crushing it to death. I also had a really good friend of mine, James Cummerley, who um, got bit by a snake. It was one of the, I think it was a Bushmaster. It was one of the most deadly snakes out there. And, and he got bit by the snake, and they medevaced him out. They medevaced him over the hospital in Panama City. And, and he survived. And um, that was in January. And then in, on Memorial Day, which is what, March? He... Um, but over Memorial Day, he died in a car accident the same year. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things of, you know, it's your time to go. But he, um, James is a great guy. We we rented a house out. We were at Fort Lewis at that time, and we, we rented a house out in, um, was, was that Tillicum right outside there? Anyway, whatever the little town was right outside the ha- right outside Fort Lewis, we rented a, a place there together. But, yeah, it was just one of those things. You know, you get bit by one of the deadliest snakes in the world. And then a couple months later, you die in a car accident. What are you going to do? Go, folks. By the people, for the people, I can take barely any credit for this episode. A few readings, stitching it all together a little bit, pulling a few strings. Uh, that's about it. It really carried by the callers in. In particular, I've got to say a big thanks, especially to... Uh, Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast for chipping in with all his um, his tales of 
exploration and adventure down in Panama. Big thanks also to Barney of Loco Ludus doing his anthropologist stroke explorer in the style of, well, I would say David Attenborough. Um, then we had John Large talking about his observations of of Cholt, how it kind of sits quite nicely between the familiar and the unfamiliar and, and, and why that maybe makes a, it particularly suitable as an adventure or campaign location. Rob C of Down in a Heap giving uh, some recommendations for classic scenarios to drop into the, the jungle setting. Definitely going to pick up on some of those. I've mentioned Isle of Dread before, but he's reminded me of a few other classics that I need to dig up. And obviously uh, some words, some kind words of encouragement as well from Rob. Jason Hobbs also calling in with with encouragement and comparing his experience of Tuman tomb of annihilation with my own he mentioned and i can't think of the name of it now the the lizard king thing uh sean merwin's adventure i haven't actually picked that one up at present i believe it was sort of designed for as a um, an alternative way to start into the into the tomb of annihilation campaign but it's something i would like to look at if probably if i ran it again or or maybe i could adapt it Really, I've got so many materials now, if I'm honest, it's getting a little bit uh, overwhelming. Other than that, I don't think there's too much more to say. Um, big thanks to the uh, Pit crew over at Spike Pit Patreon, a good number of which have called in. Also, um, last but not least, I want to thank you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old Spike Pit. I hope you'll join me again soon for another episode. I'm already putting it together. I've got some call-ins um, on, on some slightly different stuff, but no doubt we won't get too far from the jungle. Take care, and I'll catch you later. I fell into a spark pit. Oh, yeah, spark pit. It would have sparks in it